hello. What's up, Lime Nation? McKay Rippey here. Welcome to the podcast. Today is Wednesday, April 12th, 2023, and this is episode number, let me check, 287. Please remember to like, share, subscribe, hit the notification button so you know when we go live, because right now, it's not exactly been like clockwork. So tonight I have a good excuse. Last week didn't have a good excuse, didn't have my ducks lined up and just missed it. And maybe I should post something in the Facebook group or something to let you know. I apologize. We will get better. I'm kind of stuck halfway in between this being a podcast and halfway between being a live show, trying to work that out mentally and schedule-wise to make that all work for me and my guests and for you. And I will get that figured out, I promise. We're not going anywhere this time, so don't worry about that. Normally, I have Dr. Nicola give us a bit, and we don't have a new one recorded this week, so it's going to be a week or two before we get her back on the show. However, I do have a fascinating clinical pearl that I recorded that I want to show you, and it's explains if you've ever had a bad reaction to glutathione, it's going to explain why that is and why it's so important to know your terrain, to know your genetics, to know how your body works. And so things don't just blow up on you. Hey, (laughs) Izzy, good to see you, man. It's been a long time. Thanks for the for the shout-out here and put his, his comment up there. Yeah, man, we had lunch many, many, many moons ago uh, out on Route 5, a diner out there. Anyway, good times, good times. Good to hear from you. So before we get started, before I get into that clinical pearl and show you my interview with Lauren Lovejoy, who's one of the directors over at Lime Warrior Nation, is it okay with you if you and me that like we find the 90% of missing Lyme patients that are out in our communities. It's a huge number. See, I was doing this keynote presentation for Dr. Nicola, putting everything together. We're doing a, a workshop together, teaching practitioners about Lyme disease and how to recognize it. And I was doing the normal, you know, Testing only catches, you know, somewhere between 40 and 60%. And then it dawned on me. It's like, wait, wait, wait a minute. The CDC is saying that we're missing 90%. So the test might be only accurate 60 to 40% of the time. However, the IDSA-trained doctors, the medical system, is missing 10%. And, and it's not me, right? That's not conspiracy theory here. That's what the CDC says. They take the number of recorded cases, reported cases, and they multiply that by 10 to get their estimate. That means 90% are vanished. And we all know what that means for chronic Lyme. Now, not all 90% of those are going to get chronic Lyme, but even if a few of them do, that's terrible. But the IDSA... They think they're doing great. They think they've got it all figured out. Lyme, oh, no problem. It's easy to diagnose. It's really tough to catch. 
and it's so easy to treat. You just need maybe a few days of antibiotics. If you're unlucky, maybe two weeks. And we all know at that this point, that's just nonsense. You have more knowledge. You know more than the IDCA-trained doc. Matter of fact, I heard a story today, and I think this is very typical. I've heard similar stories, and maybe you've heard this story too, so tell me if you have. And the story goes like this. Somebody comes into a doctor's office. They have a tick bite. Maybe they even have the tick, and they've got a rash. Now, it's not a bullseye rash, but it's a rash. It's clearly infected. And the doctor says, well, you know, maybe we should test for Lyme disease. And the patient says, oh, thank you. That's a great idea. I would feel a lot better if you tested for Lyme disease. And the doctor says, yes, it's a, it's a really good thing to do. However, we're going to wait a couple weeks to do the testing because we know that it's an antibody test and the antibodies won't be produced for a few weeks. And the doc's 100% right. There's no point in testing immediately after a tick bite. The tests that he's going to run are not going to detect Borrelia or any other co-infections. So it's a smart move to wait. And the patient says, well, you know, can I have some doxycycline while we're waiting? And that way, if it's negative, the worst that's happened is I've taken a little bit of doxycycline and done a little bit of damage to my gut, but you know, I'll take some probiotics and recover from that. And the doctor says, no, I'm gonna wait till we get the results from the test. What a great strategy if you don't have Lyme disease. But what if you do? What if those spirochete are now swimming freely throughout your body, traveling to your joints, traveling to your heart, traveling to your brain, traveling to your gut, and they're just hanging out now. Your immune system's doing it the best they can, but we all know that some people's immune systems just aren't quite up to the job, and those Borrelia bore their way into the tissue and set up shop. Now, what if that patient does get antibiotics two weeks from now, three weeks from now from the test. The test comes back positive. See, oh, yes, you do have Lyme disease. Here you go, 10 days, seven days of doxycycline. You think the Borrelia cares at that point? You think it's going to get through the blood-brain barrier? Do you think it's going to get into the connective tissue where the Borrelia is buried itself? Do you think it's going to get this doxycycline? Is going to get into the cartilage where the Borrelia is buried? Of course not. It's too late. The window of opportunity has passed us by. Tell me if you've heard that story before. It's the scariest thing that's out there. The IDSA has completely screwed whatever it is that doctors screw. Screwed the Borrelia, screwed the corkscrew. I do mark this show as, what, what's the marking on it for the podcast that they say they make you explicit? There we go. Is it explicit? So it tried not to be too explicit, but sometimes things just get you mad. So let's do the math. It's okay with you if I do a little bit of math? Just a little bit. You don't just, just listen. I'll do the math thinking for you. So see if you can follow along. It's hard to follow along. They say never do math, but I think you guys are up to it. You look like a smart audience out there as I peer through the interwebs at you. So in 2021, the CDC estimated there are 476,000 cases of Lyme disease. Out of that 476,000, the number of reported cases was 47,600. So again, that's that multiplied by 10, 47,000. 
47,600 reported times 10 gives you the 476,000. Easy math, just add a zero. But do a little bit of subtraction. That means 4,400, here we go, 428,400 people. Let me say that again. 428,400 people in 2021 alone were either misdiagnosed or undiagnosed. See, the CDC thinks they're superstars. They're not superstars, right? They think they're the Lionel Messi of infectious disease, world class. You know, Lionel Messi is actually doing a little bit better than they are when he, when he goes out and scores. So soccer, as you all know, it's not exactly a high-scoring sport. The best player in the world, arguably Lionel Messi, he scores a little bit higher than 10% of the time that he shoots. He's doing better than CDC, the IDSA, I should say. The IDSA is only scoring 10% of the time. If they were playing basketball, if the IDSA was playing basketball, that player would be on the bench for scoring 10% of the shots he was taking or she. And then soon after being on the bench, they'd be out the door. But these are the experts that are training the physicians that you and I rely on every single day. These, this IS, the ISDA, the Infectious Disease, sorry, IDSA, the Infectious Disease Society of America, the IDSA is the one who writes the textbooks. They're the one who tells the doctors what they should be doing. They're not going to change. They think they're doing okay. We need to do an end round. Albert Einstein said, we cannot solve the problems of our day with the same thinking that we use to create them. Forrest Gump's mama said a little bit more plainly, what did she say? You all remember this? I know you do. We all saw the movie at least once. Stupid is as stupid does. But I like to say, this is what I like to say. The IDSA has committed a big time Lyme crime. Big time Lyme crime. They are causing more pain than they're helping in this realm. And it's time for us to do that end around. It's time for us to insist, insist that we get treatment, insist that we get testing. The doctors aren't going to be able to do it. So you're going to have to help your neighbors. You're going to have to help your friends. And if you're a health professor, you're going to have to get basic training so you can triage and get things going. And if you're so moved, you need to go further and learn actually how to deal with this terrible plague that is in and around us. And don't think that in your state you don't have Lyme disease. I promise you, you have something like it. Out west, it's Rocky Mountain spotted fear. We don't have Lyme disease. They do. Dr. Nicola works in San Diego, and every once in a while she has somebody who contracted Lyme disease in San Diego. What about Rocky Mountain spotted fever? These ticks, these insects carry diseases. They make us sick. If you look for them, you'll find them. So let's take a little pause right here. I want to play for you the interview I did very recently with Lauren Lovejoy from Lime Warriors. I'm sporting the Lime Warrior cap here. They're a great organization. They sell merchandise like this. 
pins, hats. I think they have some mugs, different stuff like that. Conversation starters. So that's what I want you to do. I want you to start conversations. I want you to be the go-to person in your neighborhood, in your communities, in your church, in your Boy Scout troop, Girl Scout troop, whatever the community might be. Hunting group. Friends. Play group. Whatever it might be. That if somebody has a question about Lyme disease, they know to come ask you first. And you can send them straight. You can give them the facts. You can tell them, look, this is what you need to do. So wearing a cap like this gets the ball rolling a lot. So here's my interview with Lauren. It's just a short one. She gives an idea of what she's up to and what you can do to help be a conversation starter. Lauren, welcome back to Lime Ninja Radio. And we're upgrading, we're iterating our look here. So it's good to see your name on the screen. Yeah, thank you for having me with full title and everything. <laughs> I know, how about that? Who knows what's going to be on the screen next time? We'll have to see. Come back next week and you find out what super cool graphics we have. Oh, by the way, in case you're curious, this platform is StreamYard and I don't get any money by plugging them, but they're just a decent company. They do a really good job for uh, podcasting, video podcasting, live streaming, all these fancy toys that you see on the screen are super easy to use. I know there are other options out there, but anyway, before we get down to the, the, the techie um, side of things, because I'm a nerd at heart, let's talk a little bit about some of the merchandise and why y'all sell merchandise for, for Lime Warrior. So I'm going to put that up on the screen here, and we're going to see this particular t-shirt. So tell us about this t-shirt. Yeah, this is actually a t-shirt that launched a nonprofit <laughs> when I was super, super sick. Back in the beginning of my Lyme journey, I said, I just want somebody to be researching this disease because I want to get better. Um, so I went to one of the Lyme virtual groups and said, give me your quotes, tell me what this disease has done to you. And I put it on a t-shirt. And this was before we were a 501c3, before we were a nonprofit. This is the first shirt that I sold and donated the money to research. And it's just been uh, an amazing staple of our shop. It has all the quotes from people on the back talking about how hard Lyme disease is. But at the very bottom, it says, but I chose to be a Lyme warrior, meaning that despite all this hardship and terrible things that go on, we still choose to be an advocate for this disease, which is what I feel is so special about the shirt and why it's lasted, I, I think, six years as one of our best sellers is just being able to get out there and uh, authentically express how awful this disease is, but yet still be able to stand up and be a Lyme warrior. And that's what Lyme warrior is all about now. <laughs> that's so important because, you know, I'm, I'm going to mini rant here. So prepare, prepare yourself. McKay's going to go on a mini rant here. <laughs> and the mini rant is misinformation and disinformation. Those two words are thrown around so much as weapons, right? It's like, I don't like what you're saying, so therefore it's misinformation. Or I like what you're saying, so the other side is misinformation, disinformation. There used to be, it used to be called two sides to a story, and now it's called, you know, you're the evil person in the world, and we therefore have to ban you. However, there is, in the case of Lyme disease, actual misinformation being purported by the experts. They're just wrong. And not just a little bit wrong. 90% wrong. And that's what the CDC says. So we, 
we need to get, we need to have these conversations as people with Lyme, as people, as the 90 percenters like to say, the 10 percenters are the IDSA and their minions. And the 90 percenters are Lyme Warrior, Lyme Ninja Radio and our minions. And so we outnumber their minions. So our voice, although we don't have the authority of a doctor, there are just so many of us out there. We, we've done it with awareness over the years, right? People, like when I started acupuncture in the beginning, people would be like, acu what? And it wasn't too long ago that you could say Lyme disease and like, what, 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 what's that? And now everybody knows about Lyme disease. We've got the awareness part down. What we don't have is that initial, okay, the testing isn't great. The initial treatments aren't great. My doctor said, even though my test was positive, CDC positive, I don't have it because it was a false positive. We don't have Lyme in this area. Blah, 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 blah. So this t-shirt, let me put it back on screen here, is a way to have an icebreaker conversation with the community out there and find those people. Like we need to be the advocates. Quoting Barack Obama, we are the people we've been waiting for. We are the people we've been waiting for. Let's go out there and have conversation with people. And an easy way to do that is to wear this t-shirt. Yeah, and I think we don't give ourselves enough credit that sometimes some people feel I'm not an expert, I've not recovered, I'm not a great voice for it. But in fact, like you might be the lifeline that somebody else needs. They might not have the wherewithal to really go after resources and go after solutions because it's a tough journey. But you might be the lifeline somebody else needs and they can find you by a T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And sometimes things like lifelines or hyperbole, in this case, you could actually save a life. Literally not right in that actual life like keeping somebody out of the ground we're talking about like actually saving a life you could rescue years and years of suffering and productivity so this is not you know a lot of times in, in the in our, the tiktok age everything is blown over the top it's like oh my god it's the best ever mind blown you know a serrated knife to cut bread it's like oh my god that's amazing you know it's like no it's not you know the ginsu was here a thousand years ago it's like Get over yourself. But with, <laughs> but with Lyme disease, it's the real deal. So, Lauren, how can people get this amazing T-shirt? Yep. You can visit www.limewarrior.us. We also have tons of other different ways to express yourself. If you want to be a little more subtle, a little more bold, we've got something for everybody. All right. I'm for going bold. Go all the way. So go visit yes. limewarriors.us. And, Lauren, we'll see you next week. Thank you so much. All righty. I just love Lauren. I love the merchandise. Sporting it right here. Grab yourself something. They have wristbands. They have stuff that's super inexpensive. And start a conversation. We need to do this now. Do you understand it? Do you, do you, do you feel me? We need to be part of the solution. Will you be part of the solution with me? That's why I started back up Lime Ninja Radio. It's like, okay. You know, I got a little bit depressed last time when, when we stopped the podcast. I was waiting for the experts to get the right testing together. There was some great testing in the pipeline, right? There still is. Well, when is it going to be here? Eh, who knows? In the meantime, you know, we've got Igenix, and Igenix is pretty darn good. There's some other companies out there trying to figure it out. We don't think at this point that they're the gold standard. They serve their purpose. We're... 
We believe Igenix is really the way to go if you really want to know. There are other ways of provoking Lyme disease and someone's co-infections. You take some herbs and see if you react to it. Chances are if you're reacting, there's a pretty good chance, yeah, you got some kind of a disease in there, and it really could be Lyme disease. But we can't wait for this IDSA to change its tune. We have to do that and run around them. We outnumber them. We have... We're in contact with people every day. How often do you see your doctor, right? Hopefully not that often. Every six months, once a year, once every couple years, maybe never. You see your neighbors every day. You can be that beacon of hope. You can be that spark. You can be that voice that changes everything for somebody. Imagine if you save just one person. Keep them from suffering. Keep them from going in a wheelchair. Keep them from becoming disabled, One of my patients, a nurse, she's disabled now. She's clawing her way back. But man, it is a fight. It's the fight of her life. It ain't easy. Much easier to prevent. Treat early, like I did. And just have minor problems from time to time. (laughs) Lose some hair. (laughs) Much better than being disabled, right? I'm laughing about it. But it's no joking matter. I was lucky. I was very, very lucky. So, Tap yourself on the chest, say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it now. I'm going to be part of the solution. I recommend you get yourself a T-shirt, make your own, buy a bumper sticker, put it on your car, put it on your water bottle, start a conversation. Ask that question, could it be Lyme disease? Have you considered Lyme disease? Just start those conversations. Some people will be open to it. Some people say, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, it can't be Lyme. It's not Lyme. You know what? You can't save all the people. That's that starfish story. All right. Let's change gears here. I promised you that I was going to show you a clinical pearl video. I did this for practitioners, but I think you can hang with it. If you've ever tried glutathione, the reason why I wanted to show this was Glutathione is such a frequently prescribed supplement, either as itself, right, glutathione, as IV glutathione, or as its precursor, N-acetylcysteine, NAC. So if you're taking NAC or glutathione or you've had a glutathione injection, hopefully you felt better. Every once in a while, and sometimes a little more often than that, people have bad reactions to it. It's not necessarily a detox reaction. It's an adverse reaction, and it's actually causing more problems than it's helping. So this video is going to show you exactly why that happens. Enjoy. Okay, what you're looking at here is Bob Miller's interactive glutathione pathway map, and this is part of his functional genomic nutrition package. If you haven't checked out Bob Miller and what he's doing in the realm of functional genomics, do yourself a favor and go ahead and do that. We're going to zoom in on part of this. And this is the CBS pathway. This is the pathway that begins the conversion of homocysteine all the way down into glutathione. That's important that we understand this entire part of the pathway simply because If you've ever had the experience of giving a patient or a client glutathione, whether that's an IV, an oral application, or NAC, right, cysteine, 
which would show up up here in the cysteine block. And they've had a negative reaction. They've had an adverse reaction to that. This may help you understand why that is happening and why you want to support this entire pathway and not just supply the end products. So let's start with NAC. So let me zoom in a little bit more here. So N-acetylcysteine, when it's supplemented, it supports this block here. It gives the body extra cysteine. And while it's true that we do need cysteine to make glutathione, if we don't have this particular gene working well, the combination, actually this, this part of the pathway, the GCLM gene and the GCLC gene, then we're not going to be converting the N-acetylcysteine or any cysteine into Y-glucis. And the Y-glucis is what combines with glycine put together by the GSS enzyme to create glutathione, reduced glutathione. So if we're just tossing cysteine into the system and it's this pathway isn't working either because of genetics, and in this person the genetics aren't bad, right? There's a few variations here because it's showing up yellow, but blue indicates that things are okay. Let's go ahead and click and just see what is going on over here. Okay, there are a couple of homozygous variants on this person, but not terrible, right? The calculations show us it's yellow, it's not red. So there may be some concern there. But if you add on those homozygous variants with some mycotoxins, right? So you have some variants here in the GCLM and mycotoxins are blocking the GCLC, then you may have an inefficient conversion of cysteine to Y-glucis. And why that's important, because if you're supplying a ton of cysteine in the hopes of making glutathione, right? If you're giving a whole lot of knack in the hope of making glutathione, but it's not being converted, then the body's going to downregulate the conversion of cystothionine into cysteine, and it's going to downregulate the CBS gene and the conversion from homocysteine to cystothionine. So what happens is the homocysteine builds up, right? It's not going to happen overnight, but it can happen over days and sometimes over weeks. So if you've had somebody where you've given them NAC and they've come back at you saying, you know what, I just didn't feel good on it, this is what could be happening happening, right? You could be blocking this pathway and preventing the transformation of homocysteine into cystathionine. You're blocking the CBS pathway by filling up the bottom of the pathway there. And that can generate more NOx enzyme. So the, the NOx create superoxide, and superoxide is a radical and also can combine with nitric oxide to create peroxynitrite, which is a nasty, nasty radical in the body. All right, so that's one of the things that can happen. As you can see, also the mycotoxins can downregulate the GCLC, so that can slow the conversion of cysteine to Y-glucis and also slow down the creation of glutathione. So you can imagine where we have reduced glutathione production and the reduced glutathione slows down the clearing of mycotoxins. So the mycotoxins build up, further reducing the function of the GCLC, which creates fewer GSH molecules, which allows more mycotoxins to build up, and so forth and so on. So you can see where mycotoxins can simply by themselves and over time create even a greater 
right? Even if the exposure stopped, the presence of mycotoxins, if they're enough, can cause a degradation of the body's redox system and an overaccumulation of oxidative stress. So not just the mycotoxin stress itself, but once glutathione is depleted, then you get oxidative stress all over the place, including in mitochondria, in the brain, in the liver, wherever else you need glutathione, which is basically everywhere. The other thing I want to point out in this is when you give glutathione directly, the same backup can happen here, right? So if you give glutathione here, the body downregulates the GSS enzyme, right? And so forth and so on, all the way back up to the homocysteine. So simply giving NAC, right, N-acetylcysteine, simply giving glutathione, GSH, whether orally or IV can. I'm not saying it will. If these pathways are open and working, it's not going to cause as much of a problem. But if you've had that adverse reaction where you've given somebody an IV of glutathione, expecting them to feel better, and they don't, this is one of the things that can be happening. So it's important to keep these pathways open, especially if you're adding in a lot of NAC or a lot of glutathione itself. And then the last thing that I want to point out that can happen, again, whether you're supporting with NAC or with glutathione itself, is the glutathione in donating its electrons, right, in being a reduction, I'm sorry, yeah, in reducing some of the oxidative stress that's in the body, becomes oxidized itself. And there are several pathways where it gets reduced again and becomes functional. But if the glutathione oxidized glutathione, the GSSG, overwhelms the body's ability to recycle it back to reduce glutathione, that just becomes another oxidative stress. So you can see if, again, if you're flooding the body with glutathione, but the body can't recycle it after the glutathione's done its job, then what you get is a production of other oxidants, particularly superoxide. And again, combining with nitric oxide makes peroxynitrite. So you can see without supporting these additional pathways that are involved in glutathione. If they're not working, if you don't know what the genetics are, like here this person's fine, right? They don't have a whole lot of genetics. But there's a, there are a bunch of genetics here that are preventing the efficient reduction of oxidized glutathione. Sometimes throwing more glutathione can actually create more oxidation. And that's one of the things that you can be seeing with these adverse reactions to NAC and to glutathione itself. In addition, I'm going to be sending you other information about getting mycotoxins out of the body. See, it turns out that glutathione is just one of the five pathways that the liver uses to detox mycotoxins. So you have to support. All right, well, I'm going to pause it there because I get into a pitch on one of our courses for practitioners about the five different detox pathways that are involved with mycotoxin that are proven. So we want to end the show. I realize the other thing is that we're also stuck halfway between a video show and an audio show. So if that if you're listening on the podcast and you heard that and you want to see the charts, you want to see the interactive charts I was showing while explaining those pathways, go on over to our YouTube channel or Facebook and you'll see this live stream archive there and you can kind of scroll forward and, and have a look at that section. It's That's only about 10 minutes long, 12 minutes long. But I want to show you these stickers I got from Lauren 
And I got my own here, the Lime Ninja Radio sticker. <laughs> Let's put it the right side up. Hey, there we go. If you send me an email, I will send these to you. These are conversation starters, water bottle stickers, laptop stickers. I've got this one on my coffee mug every morning. So when I'm doing a podcast or teaching something, I'll hold up my coffee mug and show everybody my Lime Ninja sticker there. So go ahead and just send me an email to support at LimeNinjaRadio.com and we'll start a little conversation and I'll get these in the mail to you so you can be part of the solution in your community or communities. We need you. We need an army of people who are just asking the question, do you think it's Lyme disease? Could it be Lyme disease? Have you considered Lyme disease? And here's the people you should talk to. So you need to start developing a little bit of a Rolodex for your community so you can refer people to knowledgeable practitioners. If you are a practitioner and your eyes have been open, please join us May 10th. Dr. Nickel and I are going to be doing a training for practitioners. It's our entry-level training. We've got scholarships available. Again, you can email me to get information about that as well. So the email is always support at LimeNinjaRadio.com if you're interested in that training. The price is crazy right now, so now's the time to act. We've got uh, some spaces left uh, at, at that uh, the scholarship price, so just hit me up quickly before those go May 10th is going to be here sooner than you know. And then finally, we will be having in-depth training for those practitioners who feel called, who feel a real strong urge to be getting deep, both feet up to your elbows in Lyme disease. There's no other way to do it. It's not a casual. I've seen so many practitioners over the years, I, re I remember one practitioner who was gung ho. She was, all, you know, doing the genetics, loving it, uh, had so much to say. And I went to follow up with her and asked if she wanted to come back on the show. And she said, "No, I've stopped doing Lyme disease." Doctor Nicola tells similar stories with young naturopaths. This disease is not easy to deal with. You need to be a solid human being and not be intimidated. You need not to be put off with failure you have to go what did churchill said success is going from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm right you have to stand there knowing that you will help those patients and it may not be today they may feel worse today or this week but knowing that in the long run in two years three years five years they will get better the last thing i want to say about that is think outside the tick we, we know about Lyme disease. We know mycotoxins match up famously with Lyme disease. They support each other. They both destroy the immune system. They both open the back door so they let each other in and cause more problems. But there's a third twin. <laughs> I guess that makes them triplets, right? And the triplet is oxalates. And you're going to start hearing more and more about oxalates. And my good friend and colleague Emily Givler is going to be doing some amazing teaching about oxalates out there. So you will begin to see more and more. There are other practitioners out there talking about it, but oxalates are a horrible toxin that are everywhere, especially in the healthy foods that we're supposed to be eating. So 
when our guts get wrecked by massive amounts of antibiotics, which some of you have had in treatments, it destroys our endogenous ability to deal with some of these oxalates that are produced naturally or that we're eating from healthy foods like almonds, like spinach, like kale. Basically, any plant-based food has some oxalates in it, and some plant-based foods have very high amounts of oxalates in them. And these oxalates, they're not just kidney stones. I had a young man. Well, he's a father. <laughs> I'm getting to the age where everybody's a young man now. He was, his son started getting really serious about jujitsu. And we'll end, end the show with this story about the warnings of oxalates and how it can affect even healthy people. So anyway, his son is getting really serious about jujitsu. So his dad, my patient, says, you know, I'm going to go do jujitsu too. And he was, you know, gung-ho. He was, tried to be a Navy SEAL. He's that kind of, you know, intense, fit human being. And so he's, you know, he's doing jujitsu. And he, he injures his shoulders to the point where he, he can barely use them anymore. And his solution for healing them was to go get uh, stem cell injections. And he says they're feeling much, much better. But after a while, he, you know, he makes his way. He didn't come to me for the shoulder problems. He came to me for hip and back pain problems. So he, I did my normal review of his diet. And he said, yeah, I eat a lot of almonds. I eat almonds by the barrel full. I said, uh, that might not be a good thing. So we had him cut back on the almonds, and his hip pain went away, and he had these weird calcifications on his skin and his face and his ear, and those started going away. So I convinced him oxalates were probably his problem. And I didn't hit him too hard with it, but that's probably the reason why his shoulders shred, that the oxalates crystallized in his shoulder joints and slowly just literally tore apart the cartilage and tendons in the shoulder so much so that things were always inflamed so how many times have we thought about Lyme disease itself tearing up connective tissue tearing up cartilage and thinking oh it's Lyme and it could be but what if it's oxalates what if you're not getting better and nobody can find any trace of Lyme disease the tests all come back negative if you've retested you don't react to any antibiotics anymore or herbals. What if it's not Lyme disease? What if it's oxalates? It's time to think outside the tick, right? There's other things that go along with Lyme disease. And that's why we started Beyond Protocols. That's another story. And that's what we call it Beyond Protocols. Like sometimes you have to just continue to expand your thinking. So don't get trapped in your thinking if you're stuck. It takes new thinking to have new results. Don't be afraid to explore some other things. See what other people have to say. And it's so good being back with you. I look forward to speaking with you next week. Be part of the solution. Don't give up hope. It's possible to heal. You can heal. No matter how sick you are, you can heal. You can get better. 100% better? Maybe not 100%. But what about 10% better? That would be good right? That'd be really good. What if you got 20% better? What if you had energy? You can heal. Your body's designed to heal. I want to leave you with that message. All right, everybody. Have a great night, and we'll talk to you next week. And I got to find the outro. Here we go. <laughs> Take care.
Lime Ninja Radio is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized medical advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's medical situation is unique, and Lime Ninja Radio should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized medical advice. Lime Ninja Radio is not licensed to render medical advice and should be considered simply the public opinion of Lime Ninja Radio and its guests. Recommendations on specific treatment options are not intended to address any listener's particular medical situation. As always, contact your physician before considering any new treatment.